All right, legends. Welcome back, dude, to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive, dude. Truly, I have some exciting tour news to share. I'll be doing encore performances of my show, Fourth Grade Ratbag, in Sydney and Melbourne in the coming weeks. Sydney, June 24, Melbourne, July 1st. And you can get those tickets via the link in my Instagram bio, dude. So show some urgency. They, they will sell out and uh, looking forward to it. Then we've got Perth, June 17, Adelaide, June 18, Canberra, June 19. Okay. I can, I can pretty confidently say Adelaide and Perth will sell out. So show some form of urgency if you'd like to attend. If you've got no plans on attending those shows, then then just maintain that vibe you've currently got because you're nailing it, okay? And Canberra, I can wholeheartedly say I regret how much I've shit on that city. Uh, you know, I've been outwardly disrespectful and at times distasteful towards the nation's supposed capital, and I think it's reflected in the ticket sales as they are quite humbling. So if you're in Canberra, June 19... Dude, come along. You know, if you ever wanted to have a beer with me after a show, Canberra is the one. The show might just be you and me having a beer together at this rate. <laughs> but, <laughs> but no, yeah, so Canberra, if you'd like to come, no pressure, okay? No stress, babe. If you're busy, I get it, okay? I might be busy as well. We'll see how we go. But yeah, all of those tickets you can get via the link in my Instagram bio. And that's pretty much wrapping the tour. So if you want to see me, that's your opportunity. Uh, you know, God bless you. And like I said, if you don't, then, you, you know, maintain that energy because you are nailing it. So anyway, I'm out and about. I'm all over the road. I'm all over this great nation. I have returned from Melbourne. And Melbourne, I got to say, pretty bloody good city. Hey? If I'm going to go over to Brisbane and I'm going to come back and I'm going to run my mouth about how much I enjoyed Brisbane, which I did, okay, then it's very hard for me to keep that same energy of hostility towards our neighbours to the south. So here's the deal, okay? Melbourne, it fucking rips. I'll put my hand up. I know there's been some controversy in the past with people thinking that I'm sort of anti-Melbourne. And, you know, due to the hours of me saying that on a podcast that I then published to the world. But I've got to tell you guys, Melbourne rips. Um, you know, bants aside for a second. My God, what a vibe down there, you know. There's a genuine pub culture in Melbourne that I don't think any other city in this country has. And it honestly gets my freaking, it gets the hair standing up on my forearms, to be honest. Just exquisite pub culture. I was staying with my mate Badge. First afternoon, I'm with Badge. He goes, mate, we'll go. We'll walk to this pub around the corner. We're in. Uh, he was living in Richmond. Within walking distance, just the freaking most awesome suburban pub ever, right on the corner. Pubs belong on corners. I think that's what Melbourne teaches us. Melbourne teaches us that yeah, if you've got a pub, put it on a fucking corner where it belongs. You know, there's a pub on every corner in Melbourne. Then the next day, Badge is like, mate, let's go to this other pub. It's about 150 metres in the other direction. You're just walking to these fantastic suburban pubs. It's unbelievable. Melbourne, the pub culture is, it's fantastic. It really is. And uh, some of the things I really enjoyed about Melbourne, how's this? Just the amount of culture in this town. There's businesses in Melbourne that are thriving, where you go, if this was open anywhere else, you'd make it two weeks max, you know? There's just stores where it's like, all they do is footstools and neck tattoos. And you think, what a specific niche in the market to tackle. How could this man possibly not be bankrupt? And then he'll come out the front and meet you himself. You find out he's a multimillionaire, okay? And that's Melbourne for you, okay? 
Melbourne, you have a weird idea in Melbourne. People say, let's hear it. Whereas I feel like, you know, in Sydney, you try to open a, a footstool slash tattoo store, people laugh at you. And, and if anything, they'll actively try uh, to sort of, you know, freeze you out of the market, maybe spread rumors about some of your business's ethics, you know, maybe spread rumors around town that you've got a foot fetish. And that's why you're really doing the whole stool thing. The neck tattoo is just a, a cover-up so you can see people try out those footstools, you sick fuck. That's what some people in Sydney would be saying about you if you had the balls to open such a unique business. But not in Melbourne. Melbourne, they say footstools and neck tattoos, unbelievable. Put, put it right next to the, the, the freaking neck pillow and foot tattoo store, you know? Put them all on the same block. We love it. It's, it's pretty bizarre, but it, it's, almost like, it's almost like cute how not ruthless Melbourne is. Like people are like, oh, have you checked out the, it's like North Japan and South Japan fused. And then like you go downstairs into a fridge and then it turns into like a fucking some weird lounge bar type situation. And you got to knock on the door three times and, you know, play a communist ringtone into the speaker. Next thing you know, you're drinking a Mai Tai out of some guy's boot going, what the fuck is going on? Welcome to Melbourne. Okay. Melbourne is, the thing with Melbourne is like, it's always like everything's a secret, but in the best way possible. I don't know how they've done it. It's quite, it's quite bizarre, but it's also quite good. And you put in all these weird businesses and weird ideas, and then you, you have a healthy staggering of genuine salt of the earth pubs. And it's a recipe for success. It really is. Plus you can get the tram or walk everywhere. So there's no need to drive. I don't know if people in Melbourne even have cars. I saw a couple, maybe three, but there didn't seem to be a lot of urgency as far as having an automobile. So it's a fantastic town, Melbourne, I got to say. One, one thing I noticed in Melbourne, I was walking past Fitzroy Macca's at 6 p.m. Friday night. 6 p.m., Fitzroy Macca's. Completely dead. De maybe one person in there and I think the guy was just asking for directions to that neck tattoo footstool place you know like and it's such it's such a marker of an area how well the local Maccas is doing okay because if you go to an absolute shithole Maccas at 6 p.m it's like some sort of a fucking it's a scene out of like National Geographic you know there's just cars everywhere it's it's spilling onto the street the drive-through is like just crazy 14-year-olds with headsets are just having panic attacks, you know? It's just, it's absolute bedlam. And the more, you know, the more fast food establishments are thriving in an area, I would, I would argue the less the arts are thriving in said area. You know, I've been to Toowoomba, Queensland more times than I'd like to admit. And that place, I mean, there's, there's drive-through of fast food places where that's just giving you a snack until you get to the next drive-through, you know? They've got like a little red rooster drive-through to tide you over until you get to the Maccas two blocks down. They've got fast food chains you've never even heard of there where the guy who owns it is a multi-millionaire, you know? The bigger a shithole the place is, the more the fast food thrives. So as soon as I saw Fitzroy Maccas at 6 p.m. was dead, I thought this is a place where, where the arts can really thrive, you know? And as far as this whole fast food theory, if you see a red rooster anywhere, just run for your fucking life, okay? I know I'm not reinventing the wheel by saying that, but if you, if you drive into a town and you see a red rooster franchise absolutely flourishing, you drive right the hell out of that town that instant, okay? Unless you want to end up with seven kids and a BMI that you can't publicly disclose because it's too embarrassing, you know? So Melbourne was just unbelievable, dude. Really like it there. The other thing I love about Melbourne, and also I've been to Melbourne like four or five times before, but I haven't been properly in like, you know, three years. So sorry if I'm talking about Melbourne like it's some sort of a mythical place. But, you know, I'm pro-Australia. I'm just giving the place a wrap. So... So that, that's all that is. But the other thing I love about Melbourne is no pokey machines anywhere. 
I don't think I saw one the whole time because I was chatting to all my Melbourne friends, you know, all two of them, and I was saying, what is going on? How come you guys have these sick suburban pubs? We don't have them in Sydney. I thought, what are our suburban pubs? And I realized Melbourne doesn't have RSLs and bowling clubs. In New South Wales, we have RSLs. We don't have pubs. And they fucking suck. They're just loaded to the brim with pokey machines for desperate pensioners to just unload whatever is left of their children's inheritance straight into Queen of the Nile. And it's so frustrating. But I, I read uh, apparently New South Wales has like the second or third most pokey machines in the world outside of Vegas and then I think Macau or Morocco. Or is Macau in Morocco? I'll have to do some research on that. Uh, come back next week, guys. But New South Wales, all of our... We don't have pubs because they can't fit enough pokies in them. So they just put up these huge RSL buildings. They're like kind of Westfields disguised as pubs or something. They're like just these disgusting environments. There's no vibe whatsoever. It's all like shiny metals and stuff and... Everyone there is over the age of 75. You got to sign in when you go in, like you're signing up for a Hoyts membership or some shit. It's disgraceful, dude. God, I hate the pokies. And Melbourne had zero pokey culture whatsoever. And it's fucking phenomenal. And also, I am, I know there's plenty of people in New South Wales that absolutely froth on the pokies. And God bless you, lads, okay? But I am so anti pokies. I think they're so boring. And so not fun. And I get it, okay? I was with a bloke, um, a mate of mine years ago, and he put like 20 bucks in a poker machine and pulled out two and a half grand right in front of me, okay, in about 10 minutes. And, you know, I had that enormous win the other week where I I won upwards of $90 on a poker machine, okay? So I do understand, you know, the mythical secrets they hold and how they can, in fact, change your life. I Ubered home later that night when I was expecting to get the bus. So I, I do understand that the pokey machines can change your life. But I just think for the damage they cause. And also, everyone knows they put out 93 cents to the dollar. Or it might be 83 cents. So the longer you play the pokies, the more, the more you're down. You know? you know when some blokes like, yeah, I pulled out $600 from the pokies last week. Fucking unreal, lads. Features inside features, you know? Queen of the Nile into fucking, into more chili, featuring each other, you know, double feature extravaganza. And you think, yeah, mate, but over the course of the next 17 years, you're going to be down about $47,000. So forgive me if we haven't set up a fucking full citywide parade to celebrate this $473 win you're so eager to tell me about, okay? So I just think pokies suck, Melbourne rules, great stuff. Great stuff all around. That's what I think. So anyway, speaking of Melbourne, uh, forgive my voice. I'm a little bit under the weather. But speaking of Melbourne, so let's get into the yarns from what was, from what was really a pretty sensational weekend, okay? I don't want to speak out of school. I don't want to brag. Uh, but I had a sensational time in Melbourne. So first things first. I land in Melbourne. Okay, I'm starting right from the start. I land in Melbourne. Jetstar flight takes me there right on time. Uh, I'm a Jetstar man now. Uh, I was traditionally, before the pandemic, loyal to Tiger Airways, despite the fact that they ironically did not have a loyalty program. Okay? <laughs> Why is it the crappiest airlines don't have a loyalty program? I get there's no Jetstar Lounge, but there was a point where I was flying Tiger Airways so much, I would have been fucking mega platinum, you know? I get it's a budget airline and there's not going to be, you know, I'm not going to get a foot massage from an exotic woman while I wait for my flight, but maybe just a high five and a bit of recognition that, you know, I'm, I'm loyal to the brand. Anyway, I digress. So I get to Melbourne. International comedic superstar Luke Kidgel picks me up from the airport. Pretty impressive name drop straight away. Um, so he picks me up, which also saves me getting an Uber into Melbourne because Melbourne's a great city and they know that airports 
are not a vibe, which is why they put their airport, I think, on the border of the Northern Territory. It is really nowhere near the city whatsoever. You almost need to get a, get a plane from the airport into Melbourne, okay? So that's fine. I'll let that go. Luke Kidgel picks me up and we do, we record, how's this? The last ever recorded episode of Luke and Lewis. I'm a guest host on it. I was the last one they ever recorded and it's the second last one they're ever going to release. So that should be out this week, I think. Look out for me on Luke and Lewis. And, you know, I finally, (laughs) so I've been on Luke and Lewis like three times, always via Zoom. And it's been my dream to one, do an episode at the actual studio because I hate Zoom. Zoom, you can't get your rhythm of the bands and the timing and you can't get a vibe, you know. Sometimes I'm joking around on Zoom on a podcast and it's hard to know if like, am I being hilarious or do these guys think I'm like a psycho or something, you know. So... I wanted to get into the studio and I wanted to push my case for guest of the year. Well, the studio is long gone and so is the podcast. (laughs) And then so are my dreams along with it, okay? Luke and Lewis is ending. I will never be guest of the year after being runner-up the last two years in a row. I thought third time was the charm. You know, I had all sorts of stuff planned for this year to get me over the line. You know, last year I flew down for the Loogies, the award ceremony, and I, you know, I very sheepishly spent the whole plane ride down and most of my time at the airport writing my acceptance speech. Um, And I was so excited to do it. I was just going to tee off on everyone. You know, I had like just a bam, bam, bam. It was going to be great. Only to ever so rudely be humbled by Ruben Solo, who beat me for guest of the year. So I thought this would be my year. And uh, yeah, never, the studio's long gone. We did, we recorded the episode in a spare bedroom in Luke Kidgel's enormous house. So, so, you know, they say never give up on your dreams, but I guess sometimes your dreams give up on you uh, because they're not possible anymore. But it was a super fun podcast. Give that a listen. I was swinging particularly wild on it. I love being a guest on other people's podcasts so much more than doing my own. I honestly feel like when I'm a guest on someone else's podcast, it's like I'm not like everything I say doesn't even count, you know, because I'm not editing the pod. It's up to them. If they leave something in a bit wild, it's like, well, fuck, is that my fault or is that is that their fault for not editing the pod, you know, as strictly as they should have? Whereas if I just jump on my own solo podcast and say something fucking weird, everyone's going to be like, what the hell is this guy talking about? You know, so I feel I feel that being a guest is a lot of fun. And the vibe was very much, the vibe from Luke was very much burn it down. You know, this thing's over. Who gives a fuck? So it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. So then that was great. Luke jetted off to do about, uh, I think, 75 shows in Adelaide. I think he's doing an encore show at the Adelaide Oval. Holy fuck, that guy sells tickets. But uh, I went, I jetted into the city. I did, I had a bit of a warm up gig in Melbourne the night before my solo shows and you know Melbourne if I was to criticize it it is a it is about minus 75 degrees down there it was the coldest place I think I've ever been to and luckily for me I had accidentally signed up to do a gig that I thought was upstairs in this pub but it turned out to be an outdoor gig in June so you know fair play to Melbourne comedians I the commitment is there we did an outdoor gig in a beer garden. It was about minus three degrees. I had two jumpers and my Westfield jacket on stage. And I got to say, it was actually pretty fun. Even though before the gig, I did have negative thoughts going through my mind. So outdoor gig was super fun. Had a great time and revved up for my, for my Friday, Saturday shows. Friday, Saturday. Thanks to everyone who came to the Melbourne shows, by the way. I should have led with that. You know, before I, I was very, I was full of praise for your city, but also thanks to the people of Melbourne, okay, who came to see my show. Really appreciate it. They were both super fun. But I will say, guys, I just want to get out in front of something that has been happening a lot on my tour this year. So basically, it happened in Newcastle 
Brisbane. Oh, actually, it, actually, Wollongong was sort of the ketamine incident. So it's been happening a lot at a lot of the shows, guys. Um, basically, there's this thing that's happening where after the show, a lot of people who are attending are coming up to me afterwards, which is great. Love that. And people are coming up to me and they're, you know, they're buying me a lot of drinks, a lot of beers, a lot of shots, you know, I think I did a shot of Jaeger on Friday night, like, which is good because I haven't been to 2007 in quite some time. So it was good to catch up. But people are buying me a lot of drinks and they're offering me a, offering me a lot of free drugs, guys. And, you know, I just want to get out in front of this and say, continue. Okay. I absolutely fucking love it. I'm absolutely, it's an absolute dream. I get off stage and people are like, Bill, what do you want? And I think, holy shit, it makes me feel like a goddamn king. So to anyone who's bought me a bloody beer or, you know, thrown me some bloody free drugs or one guy brought a, a cigar the size of a cricket bat on Friday night. And I actually, thinking back, did not get the chance to smoke it with him, but I, it looked expensive. And uh, one guy brought a, a bloody joint the size of a genuine baseball bat on Saturday night. Absolutely continue. I just want to thank everyone for the generosity. My God, you know how to make a bloke feel special. I'll tell you that. So I'm absolutely loving that. Makes me feel like a goddamn rock star. And then also, because traditionally, everyone's, you know, I usually chat to everyone after the shows, hang out for a bit, get on the beers, etc. You know, when I get off stage, I'm stone cold. I'll have like, you know, one beer before the show if I want to. And maybe I'll have a, a beer on stage. But when I get off the, sh the show, I'm stone cold sober. And all you guys are like hell fucked up. So it helps me catch up as well, which is fantastic. And then uh, I also want to come clean about another thing that uh, a lot of people have been asking me about at the shows. The episode 100 guest uh, for Get Around Me. So if everyone recalls, I had a super special celebrity guest for episode 100. And we recorded a great episode and their agent uh, emailed me and said, because it's a big comedian, they said, we can't actually release that because he said X, Y, and Z. And I said, what if I take this out? And they said, no, don't release it. You do not have our permission. And we we're all very disappointed about that. And I've been, a lot of people have been asking me about who it was and, and this stuff after gigs. And I think it's about time I tell you guys what actually happened. Uh, <laughs> so there was no celebrity guest, okay? I'm sorry to break the news like this. There was a special guest. What happened was this special guest was 73-time Pelican of the Week Macca, Okay. And we set up like this studio at the lad pad and it was like set up like the Tonight Show. Like I was like David Letterman and I had Macca there and Adzi was watching. And we did this podcast for about 40 minutes and it just wasn't great. Me and Macca just blew it. Like we just sort of like, I don't know, it just wasn't very good. And then I was like, ah, this is like a bit whatever. And then I was kind of editing it and like, I don't know, it, we just kind of fucked it up. Like it wasn't very good at all. And Adzi was laughing his head off at how bad we were together on the mic. <laughs> and Maka started to panic. I started to panic. And then I was going to release it. And then I was kind of editing it. And then I was like, nah, dude, fuck this. Like, so then I just made up that lie that like, you know, some celebrity guest came on and, and then they wouldn't let me release it. So pretty sharp lying from me when you think about it. I mean, no one really brought it up at the time. And, uh, yeah, so sorry about that. Um, that's the true story behind the episode 100 celebrity guest. It was Macca and me and Macca just fucked up the episode. Also, we were like drinking, you know, we were drinking like we were like, it'll be like a drunk episode. And I think we got hammered on red wine. It was just kind of like a bit of a mess, the whole thing, you know. It's hard to capture that magic in a bottle. That's what we found out. The episode 100 guest debacle. People have been asking me about that in Melbourne. That's what happened. So Friday, Friday, the show was fantastic. Uh, Rowan Arneal, my mate, and Opener came down, and that was awesome. He actually snuck weed down on the Jetstar plane, so fair play to Rowan. <laughs> he, he, he goes, I'll work a half-day Friday, and then I'll, I'll sneak some weed on the plane and meet you down there. 
I said, sounds good, brother. You know, this is the sort of energy you want when you're taking a bloke on the road. Unprompted smuggling of drugs. That's what I'm talking about, okay? I got guys messaging me on Instagram saying, can I open for you in fucking Adelaide? I'm thinking, what have you done for me recently, brother? Okay, because I got, I got Rowan risking 5 to 10 in Long Bay on a Jetstar flight. So we got something to do after the gigs, you know? So fucking oath, Rowan. He did a great job both shows. Friday night, we went out and about with um, a few of my Melbourne friends, Georgia and Jackie, etc. We go back to Jackie's place, wild apartment. She's got like a stripper pole and all this like leopard print everywhere and just crazy shit going on at this apartment it was insane and you know we'd been to a few pubs we're all fucked up it's like 2 a.m or whatever and at one point we're all lying on the ground and then you know we're sort of starting to it's getting to the point where do you ever lie on the ground and you're so fucked up you think i got about 10 seconds to get up before this is where i live okay so it got to that point i said guys we need to get vertical because i feel you know i was starting to fly off the, the the bloody handle a little bit so i said let's get vertical asap we get up me rowan georgie jack uh, jackie georgie georgia and jackie we all get up and then i realized when we're all vertical we're down a man rowan has just he's completely asleep on the floor mid kick-ons just like in the middle of her living room and it's like floorboards it's not <laughs> He didn't just pass out on the couch. He just passed out on the floorboards in the middle of the living area. And I'm happy to say that, you know, the kick-ons was able to continue with Rowan literally snoring his head off on the floor. Um, fair play to Rowan. The kick-ons continued until about three and then all the, all the bloody Melbourne cats go, righto, we're going to Revolver. And I thought, I was in two minds. I really was. Because I was like, dude, I can't be going to Revolver till like 8am, you know, on some bullshit like this. I got another big show tomorrow. Plus, my boy Rowan is unconscious, okay? So, I made, the, I made the tough call to pull the pin in one of the more nerdy decisions I've ever made. And then, uh, you know, these, these, my Melbourne mates, they all went off to Revolver at 3am. My God, what a town. It never sleeps, you know? And then uh, we sort of threw Rowan into a bed and uh, me and him left the next morning. So... God bless Rowan, God bless Revolver, and, uh, and God bless Melbourne, you know? God, what a town. Okay, so that was Friday night. Saturday, went out to the pub in the afternoon for a couple of, uh, couple of pints to sort of sharpen up for the gig. I was feeling pretty hungover. Melbourne Saturday afternoon was such a vibe because the Swans were playing and then also the Greeks were just going nuts because George Cambosis was fighting the next day. Let me tell you, when there's Greeks in a city that are collectively buzzing over something, you can feel it in the streets, dude, okay? There's just a vibe. You, I'm telling you, if, if, if all the Greeks in a city are in together getting jacked up for something, you can feel it when you walk out the door. In Melbourne, on the weekend, it was palpable. You just walk out the door and you just, you wouldn't hear or see anything, but you just, you'd breathe in and go, yeah, the Greeks are up to something. The, the, the Greeks are plotting. The Greeks are about to go nuts, dude, okay? My God, when the Greeks come together, it's something, it's something pretty special. So everyone's getting pumped up for the AFL and the boxing is it's a fucking oh there was a vibe in the air saturday night so saturday did my show fucking electric loved it great stuff we had one bloke in the crowd who i said how'd you meet your missus and she goes he licked my leg which i found to be one of the more disturbing ways to uh sort of initiate a sort of a conversation with a local woman and you know so that was probably one of the more bizarre crowd interactions i've had and the guy got kind of filthy at me towards the end it felt like but i was like you know because i sort of implied that he did in fact have a foot fetish but at the same time it's like mate i didn't tell you to say that you licked her leg did i i just said how'd you meet most people would have said at the pub 
and you know we would have you wouldn't have had to sort of get dragged through this whole foot fetish thing but anyway i apologize to him then i apologize again now but god bless him it was a great show saturday fucking loved saturday uh afterwards yeah got so blazed with these blokes from the crowd god bless you lads and getting pretty pissed and then these blokes from the crowd they go we're going to this warehouse party uh i gotta get up at seven for my flight so i'm like oh i don't really want to but rowan of course so rowan's like mate i'm going to this warehouse party what are you doing i go i don't want to go to a warehouse party because i just i didn't have it in me i was i was pretty i was quite sick over the weekend as well and i sort of just powered through it so rowan ditches me in melbourne you know that that's what happens when you take such a gunslinger with you on the road i mean this guy disappears into thin air and here's the thing. My flight was at 9.30 a.m. Rowan's was at 6 a.m. So he had to like get up at four. So he goes, I'm going to this warehouse party. I'm just going to power through. I'm not going to sleep. I go, all right. He goes, the warehouse party finishes at two. I'll come back into the city. If you're still out, I'll text you. I go, okay, sounds good. So Rowan ditches me. I head over to uh, the Comedy Republic, which is a comedy club hang out with a few comedians I know. But I'm like, I'm like pretty fucked up for how well I know them, which is not very well at all. Do you ever find yourself where you're just sort of like too fucked up to sort of socialize? Like you just sort of think like, I hope this is palatable, you know? Because <laughs> I was like, had like 10 beers and like a fair amount of weed. And anyway, so I roll into the Comedy Republic and I've got a few Melbourne comedians who I know they're just fucking legends catching up with them and former triple j breakfast host alex dyson is there so i meet him great guy and they're actually talking about how triple j listenership has gone down in the in the last survey and anyone who listened to last week's episode knows that i spoke all about this okay so i go i go dyson mate fucking strap this into you mate i said it went down from 5.9 to 3.4% with the core demographic they, they lost being 18 to 24. You know, I'm thinking, yes, finally, a, a topical conversation I've actually got half a clue about. And then Daiso said the bloody Daiso, Alex, I should say. I met him once. It's Alex. Okay. He said that it's actually very hard to know with Triple J because when, when he was doing it anyway, it would go like down in Sydney, but like up in Perth and stuff like this. So they would lose like, they would have like a bad survey in Adelaide, but a great survey in Sydney and then overall go down a little bit. And so it wasn't necessarily reflective of like the actual listeners and how well the station was actually going. And I thought, okay, okay. And I was like, fuck, my Triple J take might've been a bit off on the pod. So almost immediately humbled by a by an industry professional and uh you know that happens the one time i bring a statistic into a conversation you know i've clearly brought a knife to a gunfight and i apologize and uh anyway just drank with my with these comedy blokes till about 2 a.m just having an absolute laugh like because i don't really have a real job like comedy is like my work band. So like just talking about talking shit about comedians and stuff. It's fucking so fun. That's like my office goss and I don't get it very often. So I was hanging out with these blokes for ages. And they were just, it was the best time ever. And then I'm heading home at about 2.30 a.m. Yeah, 2.30 a.m. Pretty, pretty bloody impressive. Pretty wild guy. And uh, Rowan texts me and he goes, he goes, mate, I've just got back to the city. What are you doing? You want to have a beer? And I said, nah, I'm going home, mate. Catch you later. I said, good, good luck on the flight. He said, I'm going to have a couple of beers and head to, head to the airport. I said, sounds good, Rowan. Anyway, I fly back the next day and I get a text from Rowan. I don't think it will surprise anyone here, but he slept straight through, missed his flight completely. So that was the end of that. I don't think anyone's surprised by that whatsoever. He had to, he had to buy a new flight at like 10 a.m. God bless him. And how's this? Just to finish up the, the weekend that was, I land back in Sydney about, uh, I don't know, 11 a.m. or whatever. I literally, I don't want to speak out of school, but I'm like on death's door. Like I'm 
so hungover, so fucked. Like, and it was a terrible, terrible trip home. I was just couldn't wait for it to be over. And it was only an hour flight, so who cares? Anyway, we land and they can't wake up the chick in front of me. And she's like 25, so it's weird. And it gets to the point where like the like they're shaking her so aggressively once being like, ma'am, ma'am, please. please. And like, you know when someone's, you know when you're shaking someone and they're just like limp and it's like they couldn't wake her up and like the, uh, I was going to say waitress, but that feels like a hate crime. What is it? Air hostess, I should say. The air hostess was like, it's like when you're at the doctors and the, you tell the doctor what's wrong with you and they're like, wait, what? That's that's really bad. Like it's like w- once the air hostess started to freak out, everyone started freaking out, and she started to like you could see she was panicking. She was like she was like please please wake up, and then another lady like a passenger does like the breath check in front of her, like was like she's not breathing. Like what the hell? This and by the way, this whole thing that I've just described, this is like two minutes of this of them just shaking her and like. Everyone is just starting to get really freaked the fuck out a bit at this point. And she's sitting right in front of me, this lady. So I've like got a, you know, sort of a pole position. And I'm thinking, holy shit, dude. This chick's dead. And then I'm thinking, how long has she been dead? And then I was just kind of like, I was just like, I don't know what. Like, I don't know what to think. I was honestly kind of like, if I'm being completely honest, I was like, fucking hell die at the airport babe you know what i mean like i gotta get home and watch george fight so what are we doing you know i thought this is gonna be such a time killer obviously she woke up but like it was like for three minutes they're just shaking her they can't get anything out of her and i think she must have been on like oxys or valleys or something like she even when they woke her up she was like i'm fine like the whole thing was bizarre dude and pretty uncomfortable Okay, so that was my Melbourne trip. I hope those yarns were good. Um, yeah, I don't know what I was expecting to feel at the end of that. I guess some form of conclusion. But yeah, I mean, that chick, once she woke up, you know, the rest of us did too, and we all got on with our lives. So, so yeah. Anyway, a couple of things I'd like to talk about. Firstly, Friday night, the Kid Leroy is in Melbourne. So basically... The people of Melbourne, were they've got one of the weekends. How's this for a weekend if you're the people of Melbourne? You've got the Kid Leroy Friday, Saturday night at the, you know, the big arena in town. Then you've got George Cambosa's biggest boxing fight of the year, Marvel Stadium Sunday. And you've got Billy Darcy playing the Coopers in Friday, Saturday night, that same weekend. How rare is it to have three icons line up like this, you know? And, you know, me, me, George, and Kid Leroy, we're obviously in a group chat. Like, we had a laugh about it. We thought, fuck, lads, what a coincidence, you know? We were, we were bad singing. You know how, well, I guess you, wouldn't, you guys wouldn't know, but celebrities, you know, we, we bands just like you. We like to joke, etc. Anyway, so the Kid Leroy, Friday night, he's supposed to go on at 9.30. At, like, 10 past 10. So, imagine 20,000 people in the arena... 9.30, he's supposed to be on stage. It's 10 past 10, he still hasn't come out. You're thinking, how late is this piece of shit, you know? Who's this guy I think he is? Frank Sinatra? Get out here, brother. Okay, start dancing around with your fantastic long locks. Maybe send your, that missus of yours out to have her do a couple of spins, you know? We're revved up. We're bloody jacked up for a bit of Kid Leroy. Hoorah. You know? You got to keep in mind as well, the Kid Leroy making people wait like this. A lot of very responsible patrons have taken their drugs accordingly to match up with your set times, mate, okay? Now, you know, now people, they're going to be on the wrong side of these caps just as you break in to stay. We don't want that, okay? So you've got to get out here and play some music for the fans. And here's the thing, he wasn't just late. He cancelled the show 40 minutes after he was supposed to be on stage. Cancelled it mid-show. Can you imagine the balls you have to cancel a show halfway through said show? So imagine if, uh, like, after my opener, Rowan got off, like, uh, I just left you guys waiting there for half an hour, and then someone came on the speaker and said, sorry, guys, uh, show's cancelled. Billy Darcy is too sick to perform. 
And apparently the Kid Leroy had a particularly bad flu. Okay. Now, I love the Kid Leroy as well. I think I've sp- spoken about it previously on the podcast at length, actually. I, I do enjoy the Kid Leroy. But I got to say, this is pretty fucking average. <laughs> Not being able to play. What are, you, what are you on stage for, mate? Realistically, let's say he's on stage for an hour and a bit. Hour and a half. And you know, let's cut it back a bit because you've got the sniffles, okay? On stage for an hour, plus you're a multi-millionaire celebrity. So, plus you're not actually a singer, you know? When you see him play Stay, it's over the speakers as well, you know? And he's like a rapper. So, it's not like, you know, he's not like Beyonce. He's not like, it's not like Avril Lavigne. He's like, my vocal cords, oh no. And also, he played a secret show in Melbourne on the Thursday night. And word on the street in Burn City was that, you know, he was getting pretty fucked up at this thing. Which again, I got no qualms with, brother, okay? If anything, I would encourage the Kid Leroy, uh, you know, to have as much fun as possible. But to not, I mean, really, what sort of fucking flu does this guy expect us to think he has? Blatantly some sort of a hangover situation here. And mate, you're a multi-millionaire, Okay. You know, I don't know even know what what sort of medicine these celebrities would have access to. But, you know, let's get him on an IV, get him on the Barocas, you know, get him on, uh, you know, special celebrity cocaine, get him on, uh, you know, some fucking oxys and stuff. Mate, get this kid numb. Let's just push him out there and say, just fucking move your mouth, you dumb cunt, okay? Just jump up and down and move your mouth. We'll do the rest, you know? Pump this kid full of rock star drugs. You know, there's, it's like whatever's keeping the queen alive. The kid Leroy would have access to the same stuff. You know, give him a bit of a platinum jubilee. You know what I mean? Right in his fucking veins. Oh, are you seriously telling me that the kid Leroy had a flu that was so bad that he had to cancel the show? And here's the thing. The fact that... 9pm, he's on in half an hour, the show isn't cancelled yet, everyone's in the crowd. That's telling me that he was probably going to perform, you know? That's telling me that, hey, maybe, yeah, he was going to perform. If he was that sick at midday that day, they would have cancelled the show. Something is not right with this whole thing here. And, you know, I don't want to speak ill of the kid because, he, you know, he's the kid, but he's also the fucking man, if you know what I mean. I love this guy. But come on, dude. Like, come on. I need more from your brother. The people of Melbourne, like, okay, perfect example as well, I should say. This is why these sort of cancellations are such bullshit. A friend of mine uh, from Sydney messaged me. She goes, oh, Bill, I'm in town. Do you mind if I come to your stand-up show? Is there any tickets left? I said, I said, no, there's not. But, like, you could just come anyway. I'll just sort it out. But I said... I said, don't you have other plans? What are you doing in Melbourne? She goes, we flew down to see a Kid Leroy. So you got to keep in mind when you're as big as the Kid Leroy, you know, I know no one's flying in to see Billy D, but like people are flying in. They're planning little holidays around your show, mate. And you've had a, you've got a fucking sniffle. You can't just go out there and, mate, we've got the same haircut. Send me out. I know the words. I know the words to stay, you know, I've got a pretty, pretty good handle on most of Juice World's hits. You know? And like I said, it's not like he's a singer. He's a rapper. Like, and it's mostly auto-tuned, which I got no... I love it. I fucking love it. But I'm saying don't... Don't pull this shit like you've got a sore throat and your artistic integrity will be, you know, compromised because you're not at 100% strength. It's like, brother, just... It's like when Travis Scott plays sicko mode. We know that's not what he actually sounds like, okay? Just go out and fucking jump around he wears sunnies the whole time anyway, and it's dark in there. Just fucking jump around, let them blast it over the speaker with all the light effects, and, and let people have a good time. You know, I'd be very interested to know if Kid Leroy had gone out there and just done the shows, you know, even if it almost killed him, and he has to put his health first, I'd be very interested to know if anyone left that show being like, wow, he must have been sick, that was awful. I honestly think, mate, you probably would have got away with it. And I think, dude, sometimes you just got to bloody, the show must go on, you know? The show must go on. And that's what people say, you know, that's, that's a theater scene. But like, that's, <laughs> that's in a scenario where there's not 20,000 people already in the arena. 
Okay, I cannot believe he cancelled when they were already there. Like, that's fucked, mate. You just got to do the show, you know? So the poor guy, I mean, just fucking, you just got to make that performance happen, mate. <laughs> we can't have that happen again, Leroy, you absolute legend. But, uh, but anyway, yeah, I thought it was pretty average by the kid Leroy, to be honest. But anyway, all right, let me finish up this podcast. What a journey. You know, it's been very Melbourne-centric, which has been, you know, great. And of course, who, well, I've got to talk about this. This week on the project, the Australian superstar I'd like to highlight, even though he lost, is George Cambosis. you know? So this George Cambosis fight, I've got a few thoughts on it. And obviously, as I've said before on the podcast, I don't actually know anything about boxing, okay? But I've got a bit of a vibe for, for these sort of events. And I got to say, firstly, oh God, I mean... Obviously, it was fucking disappointing, okay? It was very disappointing. But let me get a few positives in there first. So, George Cambosis, Australian lightweight champion of the world, fought Devin Haney to unify all of the belts at Marvel Stadium in front of 50,000, I want to say Australian people, but I think it was exclusively Greek Australians. They were going absolutely nuts. And it was, what an event. And good on George for daring to be great. You know, I don't know anything about boxing, but from what I read, I understand that he could have very easily taken a much easier fight and, you know, knocked some, not some pleb, but, you know, some glorified plumber. He could have just, you know, had taken a much easier uh, fight as, as his first title defense, you know, knock some, knock some bloke out in front of 50,000 ravenous Greeks. I mean, I personally would love to see it, okay? I think we all would have loved to have seen it. and. You know, the event itself was insane. The walkouts were great. Um, I do think fights should just be in arenas. Like, I don't get the whole... Obviously, he, you can sell, like, an extra 30,000 tickets. But I just think, like, the arena where, like, the crowd's really on top of, like, the ring looks a lot cooler, feels a lot cooler. But my boy George is securing the bag by booking out Marvel Stadium and selling it the fuck out. So... Pretty impressive, pretty impressive, and it's it was so exciting to have like a world boxing superstar that's Australian, you know. Loved the event, loved the day. Uh, obviously, I lost a bit of money on George. Now the fight, I got to say, this was pretty much worst case scenario as a casual boxing fan, as a casual Australian boxing fan, because the fight was boring with very little rewatch value. And George just kind of got outboxed for 12 rounds. It was, it was tough to watch. He was kind of like never really in it. Devin Haney was like freaking smoking there. He made George miss so much that it was just crazy. And he just jabbed his face off. Like, I don't know what the scorecard was. All, all the commentators were saying it was like a shutout, like masterclass type situation. And I don't really understand the intricacies of boxing enough as to why that would be the case. But, like, it was clear Haney won. But Haney probably only threw maybe, I don't know, he wouldn't have thrown more than 10 right hands in the fight. It was just, he was just jabbing and then making George miss. George would swing big. Haney would make him miss and then clench him up and then go back to jabbing his face off. And it was just that over and over and over and it wasn't really very entertaining. You know, like I understand that you can't always have the guy you want to win win. But like if if you're going to if we're going to have George lose all the belts or I, I don't know if he still has two of them, but if we're going to have George lose at Marvel Stadium, can we at least have it be a fucking war, you know? Like George at the end he kind of looked pretty pieced up, like his face had all this swelling on it. I honestly was thinking, mate, how do you even take that much damage? The, the four biggest punches of the fight were all landed by George. And I think he might have maybe wobbled Haney once in like round two. He hit him with a big shot. But George was never hurt, never in trouble. And to be fair, Haney wasn't really either. And it was just pretty fucking boring, to be honest. And it's weird with boxing fights. They seem to get into these rhythms where like, I don't know, like it just seems like the fight is sort of cruising to this like, to this destination where it was like by round six, seven, eight, nine, it's like, fuck, 
we just George couldn't really. I don't know if he needed to change something or what, because he was, you know, he was swinging away and stuff, but he not enough volume, didn't throw the jab at all, and he just didn't. He had a hard time getting into the fight, you know. He landed a couple of big shots, but then he'd miss the next four. Oh, it was crap, and then apparently there's some sort of a rematch clause. To be honest, I don't think we need to see that rematch. I would love to as an Australian George Cambosis fan. Fucking oath, let's have that rematch. But really, if we're being honest, no one really needs to see that fight again anytime soon. And, you know, I'll, I'll be riding for George no matter who he fights next, but I don't really think... let's Like, if that was a UFC fight, there's no chance he would get another shot at the belt um, after that performance. He just looked a little bit... A step behind, maybe. I don't know. Haney just jabbed his face off. There was a lot of clinching. A lot of clinching. You know? And and I understand, you know, George got outclassed or whatever, but it's just a bit of a shame that it wasn't like... I don't think it really revved up boxing as a... Like, it did so much for boxing as, like, a huge event, but I don't know if a lot of people will be necessarily clamoring to see the next big boxing fight in Australia after that because it was at times pretty pretty bloody boring and you know there wasn't enough sort of chaos or violence or anything and it was never really in doubt like from about round three onwards Haney was just in this rhythm and it was kind of boring to be honest but yeah god great I just want to highlight George though I mean like to sell 50,000 tickets to a boxing fight fucking oath dude and it was sick I was I had my boots on the ground in Melbourne the Greeks were going nuts dude so I had my bets on, I was revved up, I was, you know, it was great. And uh, it just sort of didn't work out. So that happens. you got to be willing to fail big in this life. Uh, yeah, that is the podcast uh, for this week. Thanks for listening. Bit of a Melbourne special, I suppose. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, i got Sydney and Melbourne Encore shows and then Perth, Adelaide, Canberra. You can get those tickets via the link in my Instagram bio. Uh, Sydney and Melbourne, you know, show some urgency, they will sell out. So if you'd like to come, this is your chance. Hope to see you there. Thanks for listening, dude. Way too long, way too long. Yeah, and I can see the ground now, way too gone, way too gone.